Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Because it made a way for us where there was no way. It made a way for us to be right with God, to be restored to the Father, that we might spend eternity with him in glory and power. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for coming. We thank you for the sacrifice of yourself, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son that we might live with you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I got one quick announcement to make before we get into the word. Next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. You know, well, that was weak. I used to really like to listen to Marilyn Hickey. I don't know if you know who Marilyn Hickey is. One of the best teachers ever was Marilyn. She used to always do things like, she'd say, put your hand over your heart and say, I'll never forget, you know, Tola and Pew or whatever. So the two midwives. I remember the two midwives that, that, that uh, saved, that, that denied Pharaoh. They said, no, the Hebrew women are so quick, we can't. So they made an excuse for Moses to live. And she said, put your hand in your heart now, I'll never forget. I think it was total and pure. But she'd say, she'd make you make that confession. So anyway, so next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Pastor Jim Jorgensen will be here. He's a wonderful ministry, powerful prophetic work ministry. Just come. He's, if you've ever experienced prophetic ministry, come. If you've, just be blessed by him. Morning and night, we're going to have them. Sunday morning and Sunday night. Next sun, next Sunday morning. So make sure you come. I'm going to. I'm really looking forward to it. Praise God. Right. Father, we just turn our hearts to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you and to your Word. We thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. We thank you that we're your children. We love you. We lay down our lives for you as you lay down your life for us. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When we talk about Easter, resurrection, whatever you want, however you want to call it, I think usually when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, I think more often we put an emphasis on uh, on what happened on Good Friday. We talk about the cross. We talk about the blood. We don't very often talk about the resurrection. It seems to, if I, that's kind of been my experience. We talk more about the cross and the blood. We sing about the cross. We sing about the blood. We don't sing too much about the resurrection. But it's, it, the resurrection was an essential part of our salvation. It's an essential part of our redemption. And I just want to share with you, and I felt to bring a word today about the resurrection uh, of the dead. It's essential. It's part of our gospel. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, the, the gospel consists of three things. It's the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's all three. It's not just two. And I, and I don't mean to diminish the sacrifice. It was, it was the ultimate deed that anyone could do. It's so important the blood, that the blood of Jesus was shed for our salvation. 
It's so important, but, but I don't, I don't, and I don't mean to d diminish that, but I want to just focus on the resurrection today. I felt that from the Lord. So let's open our Bibles this morning. Uh, if you want to open, if you, one of the places, if you, if you have a Bible, open it to 1 Corinthians 15 and just stick your finger in there. We're going to be going back and forth. But that's the main, that's the principal chapter in the Bible that talks about uh, the resurrection. The word, the, res the word resurrection means to stand up out of. And it really means, it means to stand up uh, out of the death, out of death and out of the grave. See, the Bible says that we are triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. It's, it's the body that dies, and it's the body that will be resurrected. The spirit and the soul of a person never dies and never has to be resurrected. So I want to, I just want to look at some things to, uh, some things that happen in the in the spirit. So what happens to people after they die? People, people a lot of times people ask, what happens to somebody after they die? Well, we all think everybody goes to heaven but they don't. I don't mean to put a damper on anything but you know, people the only the only people that go to heaven are the people that are born again, that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But what happens to what happened to people who died? before Jesus died for their sins, before Jesus was, was resurrected, is slightly different than, than what happens to people after he, was, after he went to the cross, after he died. Those who were not followers of God went to a place called Hades, which, is a, which was a place of torment. And those who died in faith before Jesus went to the cross, they went to a place the Bible calls Abraham's bosom, and there they waited in peace and in comfort. Turn with me to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 19. Luke 16, 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man, a beggar, named Lazarus, was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Beside even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, or hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. For I'm in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able 
and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that they may warn them, so that they may not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone comes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. What can we learn from this parable? It's it's a true story. This happened. What does this teach us? Well, it says there was, after they died, after both those, Lazarus and the rich man died, there was a persistence of personality. The rich man was still the rich man. Lazarus was still Lazarus. And Abraham, who had died probably 2,000 years ago, was still Abraham. So they were who they were after they passed away than the same they were before they passed away. There was a recognition of individuals. The rich man recognized Lazarus and Abraham, and Lazarus recognized the rich man. There was a recollection of life on earth. Both the rich man and Lazarus remembered the circumstances of their lives before they died. And there was a consciousness of, of their present condition. The, the rich man knew he was in agony, and Lazarus was in comfort and peace in the bosom of Abraham. And there was a complete, and finally there was a complete separation between the righteous and the unrighteous. Lazarus could not pass over to the rich man, and the rich man could not pass over to him. So people wonder, what's it gonna, what, what, what happens to us when we die? Your spirit, your, your physical body goes in the ground, but your spirit and your soul live on, and that's and, and it's still you. It's still the real you. There's a consciousness of what life has been like. After Jesus died on the cross, the way was open for people to be changed spiritually, to be born again, you might say, to be partakers of the divine nature, to be made, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus, from that point on, the destiny of true believers, those who were born again, true followers of God, was when they die, they go to heaven. They don't go to, they don't go to Abraham's bosom. That end, Abraham's bosom ended at the cross, and then after that, people are, go to heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, to be absent for true believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in Philippians chapter 1, Paul is, is speaking to the church at Philippi. He said, I don't, know, I, don't know what to, I don't know whether staying here is better or going home to be with the Lord is better, but I'm going to stay for your sakes. But he said to, to depart, he, want to, he knows that when he departs, he's going to be with Christ. So it seems, so, so what changes is Abraham's bosom is no longer, in the New Testament, Abraham's bosom is no longer uh, there. It's, we go to heaven. But Hades, it seems, stays the same. Because it says in Revelation chapter 20, right near the end of all things, it says that death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. So Hades is still a place of torment and, and, and will be forever. So what happened to Jesus when he died? The Bible doesn't give a lot of, a lot of detail, but it, it does say that he descended into, into, into Hades, into that place, into hell. In second, where am I going? Acts chapter 2. 
In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter is, is preaching. He says in verse 25, For David says of him, speaking of the Messiah, in Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always at my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So the Bible says that Jesus went to hell, to Hades, for us. He suffered what we should suffer. He became sin on our behalf and suffered what we should suffer for us so that we could be redeemed and set free. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that Jesus went and made a proclamation to the spirits now in prison who were once disobedient in the days of Noah. So talking about the ungodly who were, who were there in the days of Noah, who were now in Hades. And it, it doesn't say what he said, but he made a proclamation. And I personally believe that what he said was, was recorded in Matthew chapter 28 and in Revelation chapter in chapter 1, where he says, all authority in Matthew, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And in Revelation chapter 1, he says, and I have the keys of death and hell. I believe he made that proclamation to them. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible also says that when he rose, he led captivity captive. And I believe that when Jesus rose from the dead, he led those who were in Abraham's bosom, who now could be forgiven of their sin and brought to heaven. He led them into heaven and and thus there will always be with the Lord. The resurrection of the body of Jesus is the, is the same pattern for us. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wrote, For our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who will transform the body of our humble state, the body of our humiliation, into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. So he, we're going to be, this is what's going to happen. When Jesus returns, he will transform the body of our humility, of our humble state, into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. All of us live in a, what the Bible calls a body of humiliation because of sin. We, we are corrupt. And there are conditions in our body that continually remind us uh, of, our, of our fallen state. You know, I don't mean to be crude, but no matter how rich you are, no matter how powerful, no matter how many people wait on you hand and foot, or no matter how delicate you are, how refined you are, every one of us has to, has to use the bathroom. It's, 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 part of, it's part of our corrupted body. We can't, we can't live any other way. And it reminds us that we're fallen beings, that none of us is, is perfect. If we, don't, if we don't bathe, we stink. And we don't have limitless energy. We have to eat. We have to sleep. If we don't eat and sleep, we're, we're, we're a wreck. So we're reminded constantly of, that our bodies are weak and frail, that they, that they need to be changed. And God is going to change this body 
of what the Bible says humiliation into the likeness of the body of his glory. In 1 John, I tell this, I, I, I'm looking forward to this, I tell you. I know, I know I'm preaching, and this is maybe a little bit academic, but this is, this is, this is my destiny. It's your, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your destiny. One of these days we all pass away. No one lives forever. That's another indication that our bodies are, are weak. But, and, and when we die, we go to heaven. But heaven is a, is a temporary place, just like Abraham's bosom was a temporary place in the Old Testament. My destiny and your destiny as Christians is, is a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are in Hades, when, is, their destiny is, is the lake of fire, an eternal destiny of torment with God. And we are, I tell you, we ought to just be jumping up and down and saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. I, I've given my life to you, and I'm and I'm going to be re, I'm going to be united with you forever and ever. I'm going to live for in eternity in in the presence and the glory of God. And you can it's people people don't they don't they don't want to agree with that. They say, well, you're just those preachers are all a little crazy. Well, yeah, we are a little crazy for God. I tell you, it's the truth. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people. And this is this is what really. I just want to grab so many people and shake them and say, wake up. Give your life to God. Serve him all your life. Yeah, you won't get to do everything you want to do, but surrender your life to God. Be humble and humble yourself under his mighty hand so that you'll be saved and know him for the rest of your life. Oh, I had to get that off my chest. Praise the Lord. First John. First John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, the Bible says, Now we are children, speaking of Christians, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. See, we, the Bible says, We know that when he appears, we will, be, we will be like him. We'll be made just like him in Jesus' name. Our bodies will be transformed. And it says, And everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. This is the true motivation of everyone looking forward to the resurrection. It means our bodies will change and will be like him. You remember when Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, the Bible says he appeared in a room where all the doors are closed. He ascended into heaven, but then he came down and visited his disciples several times. That's the way we're going to be. We're going to receive new, immortal, glorified bodies. We're going to be, it's going to be the same body, but it's going to be different. It's going to be glory, full of glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, I told you, I told you we'd go there. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul tells us what this body will be like. In verse 35, it says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow does, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he, did, just as he wished, and to each of us a body of its own. So the Apostle Paul says, when we die, it's like our body is being sown. But we, will be, but we will be changed, 
and there'll be a tremendous supernatural change that takes place in our body. When we die, our bodies are sown into the ground like a seed, but in the resurrection, our bodies will come forth, but a, a totally different kind of body. Jesus was very careful to demonstrate that his body was the same body that was crucified. You remember in Luke chapter uh, 24, he, when he appeared to his disciples, he said, he showed them his hands and his feet, and he said, see, it, it's me. It's the same body that was crucified. In John chapter 20, it says the same thing. He showed them his hands and his feet. He wanted to make sure that they understood that that was the same body that was crucified was the body that was raised. So he wanted, and the reason why he did that, because one of the chief teachings of false religions and cults is that either that Jesus was not raised from the dead or that he was raised spiritually but not physically. And the physical resurrection is important because that's he got his body and we're going to get ours. When we are raised, we don't get a different body. We get the same body but changed. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42, the Apostle Paul tells us what it will be like. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The, nat the, the natural body, the word, the word really is soulish. Our bodies that we live in now are soulish. They're ruled by our souls. But in the, in the resurrection, our bodies will be ruled by our spirits. They'll be spirit ruled. And this corruption, the Bible says, will put on incorruption and live forever with God. Hallelujah. The resurrection of the dead is, is absolutely essential to our Christian faith. In first, again, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14, Paul says, by the Spirit of God, this, this is not just Paul's idea. He's preaching by the Spirit. But listen, in verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, he says, then our preaching is vain, and your faith also is vain. And then he says in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. See, it took more than just the cross. I, I don't mean to de degrade the cross at all. The cross is essential. But it took more than the cross. It took the cross and the resurrection. Because the Bible says if Christ wasn't raised, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. If Jesus was not raised, the gospel is false, it was, and we're still in our sins. So it's important that we understand the resurrection, that we yearn for the resurrection, that we live to be raised. And the resurrection of Jesus is the basis for our justification. In Romans 4, in verse 25, it says that if he wasn't raised, that he was raised for our justification. If he wasn't raised, we would still be in our sins. Again, another scripture. And, and what does it say in Romans 10, 9, and 10? The, 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 the scripture that we use so many times to lead people to the Lord. It says, if you believe in your heart, for what? Oh, my mind just went. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Help me out, somebody. Well, I'll go there. 
I don't know why I'm drawing a total blank on this one, but praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, if you confess with your mouth, thank you, Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you can't be saved. If you, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But it's essential that we believe it. If you don't believe it or you won't believe it, you can't be saved. We must believe in the resurrection. It's so important. It's an essential part of our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says that he's able to save us to the uttermost since he ever lives to make intercession for us. If he, if he wasn't raised from the dead, he'd, he'd still be in the grave and he wouldn't be alive to make intercession for us. So our, our, the, the resurrection is the completion of our redemption. And in 1 Corinthians 15 and 26, it says that death is God's enemy. It's God's enemy because he's a life-giving spirit. Everything God touches, everything God breathes on turns to life. You remember in Genesis chapter 2, he, made, he, made, he fashioned a man out of clay, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man came alive. Whenever Jesus touched somebody in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whenever he touched them, sickness and disease left. All the negative things left. Life came into them because God is a life-giving spirit. Death is God's enemy, and, death is, and God is not going to allow any one of his enemies to, be, to ultimately triumph. He is going to triumph over sin. He's, he's triumphed, he has already triumphed over sin, and he's already triumphed over the grave. And one of these days we're all coming up out of the grave to live with him forever and ever in immortal glorified bodies and total victory will be his and ours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Without the resurrection, our bodies would remain in the grave and death would not be defeated. But death has been defeated. And one of these days we're coming out of the grave. When Jesus died, his body was placed in a tomb but it did not undergo corruption because he never knew sin. And when he was rose, he, be, he became a complete person again, spirit, soul, and body. And, we, and that's what the resurrection is going to do for us. It's going to make us complete once again, spirit, soul, and body, to live forever in the presence of God. If you're, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, when you die, you go to heaven. And that's wonderful, but that's not the place of your eternal destiny. The place of eternal destiny for us is a new heaven and a new earth sometime in the future. Heaven is a temporary holding place, like Abraham's bosom was a temporary holding place in the Old Testament. And one day Jesus will return, and the dead in Christ will be raised and given new, immortal, glorified bodies. And then, and only then, will our salvation be complete. But it's going to happen, church. It's going to happen to every one of us in Jesus' name. You know, can we, ever, can we ever conceive the power and the glory that will be released on that day when the dead in Christ are raised? Whew. It's going to be a sight to see. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that those who are dead are going to go first, and those who remain will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So I heard somebody say, every, somebody once said, every time, every time I'm driving in a car with, with this person, when we go by, we go by a cemetery, they clap their hands and say, now, because they're going to go first. So it's going to happen, I tell you. So we, we, ought to, we ought to live with a smile on our face. 
no matter what's going on in life. We have a destiny, a glorious destiny. You know, yeah, we go through some hard times on the earth, but we have a destiny awaiting us that should keep us happy every day of the year. Like, devil, take your best shot. Do what you can. You, you can't win. I'm going to heaven, and then I'm going to get a new body, and I'm going to live forever with God. And you're going to the lake of fire. I read the book. The greatest tragedy in anybody's life is to miss this. In Romans chapter 8, I'm almost done. But you're not in a hurry to leave, are you? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't get any amends on that. I didn't get any amends on that one either. In Romans chapter 8, it says, And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees. But it says, the Bible says, we should be eagerly waiting for the, for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. Eagerly waiting for the, for, the, for the Lord to come back and change us into his image. The greatest tragedy, again, is for anybody to miss this. So I just, I, just, I just want to plant this in us today. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank God that one of these days, every one of us will be living with him forever and ever in new, immortal, glorified bodies. And the Apostle Paul says something to me that kind of spurs me on, makes, kind of keeps me sober. He said this in Philippians chapter 3, speaking of the resurrection. He says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He says, I want to make sure that I get it. I want to live right. I want to serve God. I want to be surrendered to him. I want to do his will in my life so that I may attain to it. Not that I, listen, not that I already have attained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay, lay hold of that which is laid hold of for me by Christ Jesus. And then he says something to me that's kind of astonishing. This is the Apostle Paul. You think if anybody's confident that he's going to get it, he's going to get it. But listen, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward for what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says, I can't sit on my laurels and say, oh, I've done so much. I'm guaranteed what God has for me. He said, no, I want to keep pressing. I want to make sure I get there in Jesus' name. And I pray for everyone here. I pray for everyone who's watching, everyone who's within the sound of my voice. That I pray that you also will know, will live for God and, make, and, and one of these days be part of that glorious resurrection that will take place when Jesus returns. So are you right with God? If you, if you are right with God, be happy. Be, be joyful for what's coming. If you're not, get right with God. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Father, I thank you for the glorious salvation that you provide for us. Words cannot describe my heart. How I thank you for what you've done in my life, saving me, 
blessing me, blessing my family, just giving me all that you have. I love you, Lord. I live for you with all my heart. And I thank you that one day I'll live with you and with my loved ones in heaven and in eternity forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.